أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم أفمن حق عليه كلمة العذاب أفأنت تنقذ من في النار Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grouping uh, people in this world and also in the world hereafter yeah, talks about those who are the losers that they lose in this world and also they lose in the akhirah for not believing Allah and not worshipping Allah purely and sincerely So he says here, فَمَنْ حَقَّ عَلَيْهِ كَلِمَةُ الْعَذَابِ That is the one upon whom the decree of the punishment has been confirmed. Kalima here means the decree, the final word. When the final word and decree of punishment is established and confirmed upon a person, then أَفَأَنْتَ تُنْقِذُ مَنْ فِي النَّارِ Are you going to be the one who's going to save them from the fire? Are you the one that's going to deliver from the fire? Meaning, no. Nobody can do that after the word has been decreed and confirmed. This is the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, finalizes the grouping of people according to their iman and faith and belief, their arrogance and pride. and their actions, and so on. So there can be no one who can deliver anyone when the decree is final. As far as the prerogative to make that decree, that is Allah's. Mm. Yes, Allah has the prerogative to decree whatever He wills, but He will not will out of injustice. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not commit any form of injustice. So if there is a decree, the decree will be based on Allah's adl, justice, not on any injustice. So that is for us to appreciate that Allah does not commit any form of injustice. If there is a wrongdoing, the wrongdoing will be there. people are given time and respite to make tawbah, make amends and to come back to terms with the truth and with reality. If they do, then Allah will forgive and if they don't, then it is Allah's prerogative to do what He wills, but He will not will out of injustice. That must be added to the discussion of Allah's prerogative so that people don't get carried away by the thought of that. Why does Allah punish? And why does He need to punish? And so on. لَكِنِ الَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْ رَبَّهُمْ لَهُمْ غُرَفٌ مِّن فَوْقِهَا غُرَفٌ مَبْنِيَّةٌ تَجْرِي مِن تَحْتِهَا الْهَارِ وَعَدَ اللَّهِ لَا يُخْرِفُ اللَّهُ مِيَادٌ However, for those who fear their Lord, those who respect their Lord, 
those who consider their Lord worthy of being their Lord. For them alone there will be chambers, there will be rooms and apartments from above them. And there will be rooms and apartments and chambers uh, that are built uh, and underneath which uh, there will be rivers flowing. This is Allah's promise. Allah does not go against his promise. Yeah, this ayah speaks about the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala housing and hosting people who respect him, who uh, worship him, who fear him and they obey him. For them there will be these wonderful chambers and apartments that will be uh, raised and uh, that will be decorated and adorned and they will be received in those chambers as guests of Allah in Jannah. And it will be very scenic and pleasant as you can imagine the descriptions of paradise are green and lush and rivers and trees and fruits and all of that. This is Allah's promise. Allah does not go against his promise. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reassuring the person who now takes time to fear Allah, respect him in this world and observes the rules of patience because uh, fearing Allah and observing his rules is a difficult ordeal. It's not easy that against the mainstream onslaught of materialism and hedonism, this person says no. Uh, people want you to drink and you say no. People want you to eat this and that and you say no. People want you to behave this way and you say no. So now everybody says you don't want any fun. So Allah says your fun is reserved for eternity. That is the promise of taqwa. Allah is Allah's promise. Yes, you might be boring here and insipid here and you may not have that much fun here and so on. But the truth is people who observe patience and they see that there is uh, a benefit in them not responding to the call of temptation and to their desires and to the call of people. Okay. They will be honored on the day of judgment by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in front of all people in these very, very high rising chambers. And they will not be a concrete jungle either. <laughs> and so you have these filthy, disgusting buildings in the world, uh, in cities where there's high rising, filthy, dirty, concrete buildings. Okay. So these will be concrete buildings. These will be buildings laden with gold and silver and rubies and decorated with jewels and pearls and they'll have the most lavish forms of couches and everything that you can think of. And Allah will be their host and they will be the guests of Allah. They will be honored as the winners. People might see them as losers here and boring, but Allah, when he honors them, it will be his promise. Allah. It's Allah's promise meaning for a few years here, uh, bear the burden of patience and don't give in to temptation and the devious schemes of the devil. And then Allah will honor you for eternity uh, and you will live there forever as Allah's guests. 
So this is the promise of Allah. Yeah. So when somebody is promising you something, your boss is promising you a raise, so you'll do everything, even if he doesn't give it to you that year. He said, no, I promise you, I'll give it to you next year. So you'll, you'll wait again. Yeah. And you'll wait again. Allah is promising you these gardens and these rooms and chambers. So if you are patient, then the truth will come out. And when the truth comes out, then Allah will give you what he has promised. So this is how the Quran encourages and exhorts human beings to be good and to receive Allah's pleasure by living in this world in a way that uh, he honors them in the other world. And above that, Allah honors them in this world also by giving them peace and sukoon and the promise of Jannah, which in itself is a ni'mah. Once you believe, then you believe. But if you don't believe, then you're in trouble. Then you're in constant consternation and you're in constant um, bewilderment. Oh everything else that comes along with disbelief and skepticism and so on. Anyway, so this is the result of taqwa. Those who fear Allah and respect him and obey his commandments that they will eventually on the day of judgment be honored by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in front of all people and everybody will be looking up towards them. أَلَمْ تَرَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ أَنزَلَ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَا أَنْفَسَ لَكَهُ يَنَابِيعُ فِي الْأَرْضِ ثُمَّ يُخْرِجُ بِهِ زَرْعًا مُخْتَلِفًا أَلْوَانُهُ ثُمَّ يَهِيجُ فَتَرَاهُ مُصْفَرًا ثُمَّ يَعْلُهُ حُطَامًا إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَذِكْرَى لِأُولِ الْأَلْبَابِ Do you not see this now a change of scenery and a change of uh, approach by the Quran here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is grouping another group of people who s looks at his creation and then finds guidance through his creation. Yeah. So when you observe nature, there are many ways to observe nature. One is through your science and you develop some hypothesis <coughs> and experimentation and you conclude this is that and this is this. Hmm. There's another way and that's just to simply enjoy nature. You go out traveling and you enjoy the world and you say you're fascinated. This is good, this is good, this is good. Oh, beautiful. You have a vacation and nice time. And there's a third way. The third way is this way. That you seek guidance from Allah's creation. You seek guidance from nature to reach Allah. So use Allah's creation to get to him. So the creation is a vehicle uh, upon which, through which, in which you reach Allah. That's the third way to enjoy nature and to look at nature and to observe nature. So this is the third way, as I have mentioned. But do you not see? Do you not observe? Or have you not seen, O Muhammad, وسلم, that indeed Allah does send down from the heavens water? idea that there is rain and something wet coming from above you, then that in itself should uh, strike your curiosity and make you acknowledge that it's a miracle. And it's not just a little rain, it's so much rain. There's a 
through clouds will carry rain all the way from one coast to another in this country. Thousands of miles. So how much rain do those clouds carry without falling down? And who gives them that much water? And so, on. so you have to think outside of the, uh, the weatherman. The weatherman gives you something, but you have to think outside of the weatherman and say, what is this happening here? You see the map on the screen and you see that the cloud covers a thousand miles plus and everywhere it goes it releases rain uh, in the thousands of gallons um, over a few days. Yeah. So where does that water come from? Who sustains the clouds? And who allows the clouds to send down the rain? It is it's Allah. So the eye says it is Allah who does this? Go from the clouds and the rain to Allah. You must jump from the creation to the creator. <coughs> if you get stuck in the creation, then that's where you'll be. You'll be stuck in the creation. If you move to the creator, then you'll be in the world of creativity. And the world of creativity is where you find uh, freedom. Intellectual freedom exists only when you think about the creation of Allah as Allah's creation. If you're stuck in the creation, then you become an atheist or a scientist. If you move away from the creation and you remove yourselves from the shackles of creation into the freedom of the divine, then you'll be someone who is at peace with Allah's creation and you'll understand the process. Muslims were very eager to understand how Allah creates. That's why some of them excelled in science and technology because they had this platform of Tawheed. <coughs> Whereas others needed to divorce God from the phenomenon of nature <coughs> and they killed God. And that's how the Renaissance came about. The Renaissance came about because they killed God. So in Islam they say you don't need to kill God. You make God the actor. And that makes you a much more dynamic civilization if you keep Allah where he is. And that is, he is the actor, he is the agent. So what we do is we try and understand the method by which he creates without denouncing the creator. Whereas others had to denounce the creator because their system of faith and their value system did not accommodate a creator. Whereas the Qur'an immediately came down upon the Prophet ﷺ, who was in a desert to tell the Bedouin that to think of Allah's creation as Allah's creation. And see that it comes from Allah and there is no other source of creativity except Allah. Yes, you may try to understand the process. That's fine, which is what this ayah is also saying. Understanding the process is fine. You can understand that and do something with it if you want to, as long as you don't distort it. Mm. But uh, this is the first part. Fasalakahu. Right. Then what does he do? Fasalakahu Then he sends it down and makes it into paths. The word suluk refers to making paths and roads. That they are channels through which and in which Allah sends the rain down 
and then he appropriates the rain in when they become fountains on in the ground so the earth now receives the rain and the earth then contains it and stores it and then releases it according to how it flows meaning into streams and rivers and fords and everything else however Allah subhanahu chooses that that land appropriates the rain um, so the land Allah also regulates by making some land soft and some land hard and some land high and some land low and some valleys and some mountains and so on so Allah subhanahu regulates the receptacles of rain so Allah sends down the rain and then Allah allows the rain to be stored and then distributed through these channels then he brings forth with it many forms of vegetation and plants and greenery and crops and produce and so on so with this one rain and through the system of distribution of the land and the earth Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes many different forms of plants and vegetation to grow مُخْتَلِفًا أَلْوَانُهُ various colors and various types of vegetation so this is all now diversity in creation but the source is one the source being the rain the recipient being the earth when there's a marriage between the rain and the earth then you have diversity in creation and that is what the human being should look at when he's looking at the phenomenon of rain and this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses this parable of the rain, the earth and then the crop and the produce to see that people should understand Tawheed from this process that the creation leads to the creator there's only one being who can do all this then what does he do? it withers away, it goes away slowly the crops, the plants, and the vegetation, and then you will see it to be yellowing. You will see it to become yellow, meaning that it will lose its life, and as it loses its life, it produces this color to the onlooker, where you see now this, what we call grace in death. Everybody wants to see the four colors, and we go to other states to see the four colors and the four colors are brilliant but they're dead <laughs> they're a sign of death the four colors means what? the plants are dying so there's grace in death so even there Allah is creating for you something that you can see as a spectacle of his creation that's just a footnote by the way that's not part of the translation you'll see it wither away and become turn yellow it will start to droop and it will start to lose its life and a sign of its losing life, it will become yellow. Then he will make it into stubble. And that becomes almost crumbled. It becomes nothing of value. It falls onto the ground and so on. So this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you life and death. Allah gives you life. And then he gives you death the same way he gives plants life and death. Likewise, you have life from the heavens. 
as you'll see in the next ayah, and so on. Hmm? Yeah, so these are all parables and examples, metaphors and similes that the Qur'an is using to help the human being observe nature with the correct eye, with the true eye. Well, what are you looking at? So you can know that these wonderful creations of Allah, okay, the mountains, the sea, the ocean, okay, the waterfalls and the greenery and the trees and the forests and all of that. What are you looking at? So you're looking at the grand masterpiece of Allah's creativity in this world. So who's doing all this? So if you were to take a picture, you say, who drew this picture? Right? So Allah is the one who's drawing the picture. So why are you stuck there? In the mountain, in the waterfall, in the greenery. You should move yourself away from there into Allah. This is Allah is doing. So that tawheed becomes the result of observation. So you should observe so that you receive tawheed every time you observe. And that is how you regenerate and revive your iman and your faith. You say, La ilaha illallah. This is what the Quran is saying. Indeed, in this there is, for those who are now people of the kernel, for them there is a dhikra. There is tremendous reminder for these people who observe beyond the creation and they see the creator in action. When you see this, then you have received the uh, almond in the stone, you've received the kernel inside of the stone of the fruit, and that's how you become closer to Allah. So the Quran depicts this picture of Allah's creation and creativity so that people may take heed and understand this is how Allah has allowed you to benefit from the beauty, majesty of his creation here on earth. And everywhere you go, there's going to be creativity, there's going to be majesty, there's going to be beauty. And you must see that wherever you are uh, in the world and on the world. أَفَمَنْ شَرَحُ اللَّهُ صَدْرَهُ لِلْإِسْلَامِ فَهُوَ عَلَى نُورٍ مِّنْ رَبِّهِ وَيْلٌ لِلْقَاسِيَةِ قُلُوبُهُمْ مِّنْ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ أُولَٰئِكَ فِي ضَلَالٍ مُّبِينٍ Allah subhanahu has taken us from one ayah to a conclusion. This ayah is a conclusion of the previous ayah. In the previous ayah, if you result in tawheed and you say Allah is the creator of everything, then you will come into this mode and mood called Islam. Islam means to submit to Allah and submit to his will. When you're in this mood and mode of submission, you are open and you're not congested. Okay? You're not constipated mentally, intellectually. You're not depressed. You're not annoyed. You're not angry. You are free. You are liberated. And your heart is opened. So Allah says, أَفَمَنْ شَرَحَ اللَّهُ صَدْرَهُ As for the one whose heart Allah opens. Sharah is open. His heart is open. He's not constipated. He's not depressed. He is not angry. He's not fighting with God. Uh, he's not asking rude and insolent uh, questions about God. 
He's at peace with Allah. So the one whom, whose heart Allah opens up, lil Islam, for submission, for him to submit to Allah and to his will. So that heart is now going to be he is established upon the nur or a nur, a light from his Lord and with this light he will navigate himself his feelings, his emotions, his psyche, his life and his earnings uh, so that he is rightly guided the light will guide him and that light is in mind, is in his mind is in his inner being, is in his psyche is in his brain, is in his limbs and organs, and is in his life. And this will show that this person is now open, and as I said, not congested. He doesn't feel as if he has been, uh, you know, deprived of anything in life as long as he submits to the will of Allah and says, Allah is in charge of me, he is my Lord, and I will do everything to please him. So this is now called Sharh al-Sadr, the opening of the heart. The Allah opens the heart of people who submit to him and to his will and does things to please him and him alone. And he sees through the creation that just in the creation there is one creator, one agent. And likewise, in me there is one creator, one agent. So my feelings and my moods and my modes are a reflection of Allah's diversity in creation. So the diversity in creation in nature, you have all of these things which we mentioned, enumerated, the geographic things uh, that Allah has created. Now these, these are some features in the man, in the psyche of a man. The, all of these things Allah is creating. Your moods, your modes, your emotions, your feelings, your likes, your desires, your dislikes, all of this is diversity in your creation, internally. So Allah's creating you and everything in you. That's what the muwahid, the one who has tawheed, sees. And when you see this, now you're at peace, you've submitted, Allah is the creator, Allah is the agent, and this will give you a sense of direction, which is what is meant by the nur. The nur, when it comes on, when you have light in the room, you can see everything for what it is. If you don't have light in the room and it's all dark, you can't see anything for what it is. Yeah. So when the nur comes into your mind and your brain, the nur of Islam, you see everything for what it is. And you place everything where it belongs. You don't disappropriate things. So you don't mismanage your emotions, you don't misplace your emotions and feelings and your moods, and you don't misplace yourself and your judgments, because you have light, you have nur. That nur comes from submitting to Allah, which is called Islam. So one who submits to Allah and his rulings, then he will see the light, and with that light he will be able to live a life that is manageable and sensible and quite frankly very calm and relaxed. Otherwise you'll always be constipated, agitated, depressed, angry, moody and all of that. And then you go and see somebody who will give you a pill 
uh, which will cost you $500 a month, maybe. And you're more angry than you were before, afterwards. Right. And then life goes on to a vicious cycle. Yeah. Right. But that person who relates the creativity in him to Allah, he's at peace. Allah is doing this. He'll take care of me as long as I follow Allah's prescription. I'll be okay. I may not have the most in the world, but I'll be the most relaxed and the most calm, and so on. So this is called now dhikr. Remembering that Allah is there is called dhikr. And not remembering that Allah is there is called ghafla or oblivion. So woe be to those whose hearts are hardened as the mention of Allah is there. Away from the dhikr of Allah. So you mention Allah to some people and they run away. Which is a sign of misguidance. And if you mention Allah to some people, they'll be very happy. The more you fight with God, the more God will desert you. It is reciprocal. It's not that Allah doesn't have a vested interest in you worshipping him and all. It's just the way he works. It is always cause and effect. The way Allah works is that if you come to him, he will come to you. From hadith, if you come to him one step, he'll come to you two. If you come to him walking, as a hadith Qudsi says, he'll come to you running. That's how he responds. So the flip side is also true. That the more you run, run away from him, the more Allah will just leave you. If he deserts you, then who's going to help you? If you deserve it. So the more you fight with him, the more you argue with him, the more you're contentious with him, the more you bicker at him, the more you are angry at him, the more he's going to say, okay, fine. You do what you want. You're on your own. All right. So Muslims must appreciate that Islam primarily means you submit to Allah. This intellectual, psychological submission is at the core of your iman. You must submit. But that submission is not passive. It is active. Yeah. Some people say submission has been passive. It's not, it's not passive. It's very active. You, through your own volition and choice, say, I believe in Allah. That is an active act. It's not passive. And it is the most aggressive act that anyone can make and perform because it means that you are surrendering everything you have to Allah who is high and mighty and much bigger than you, knows much more than you. That is an active surrendering of you and your will to the Lord Almighty. And that is not passive, not at all. It is something that is done deliberately. And the more Muslims appreciate this deliberate surrendering uh, to Allah and his will and his ways and his rules and do's and don'ts, the more Allah will give them sukoon. Because the point of dhikr is sukoon, peace, tranquility. The point of dhikr is not money. People ask, well, they're going to give me money. <laughs> it's like asking a doctor for a time and also that 
uh, you can fix your cancer. Doesn't work that way. No doubt there are some ayat and surahs in the Quran that will help you with your risk. MashaAllah gives all halal risk with barakah. There's no doubt in that. But saying that through this pill, I'm going to find glory and happiness. Hmm. There's no glory and happiness in the world. There's glory and happiness with Allah. If you choose to make the dhikr of Allah, you'll find sukoon. As the Quran says, Ala bi dhikrillahi tathma innul qulub. It is with the dhikr of Allah that hearts find tranquility. But that tranquility in peace is not necessarily going to be accompanied with money and wealth and fortune and prestige and all of that. It doesn't come with that necessarily. It may, but usually it doesn't. It may come. If it comes, fine. So if you're looking for peace, inner peace, then you must make the dhikr of Allah for the sake of Allah, not for the sake of the dunya. Yeah, so that people go to dhikr sessions and majaris of dhikr and the maulid so that they can socialize and they can make friends and they can have a good time and a fun time and so on. That is antithetical to the whole reason why you make dhikr and to why you send salawat al-Nabi. You send salawat al-Nabi to strengthen your iman, not to socialize. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, all of these majalis that you have in the world, yeah, these molded parties now, they're called molded parties. Ah. Disgusting behavior from the Muslims. Yeah, you send salawat al-Nabi to love the Prophet more and to gain more love from the Prophet and you make the dhikr of Allah for sukoon, internal peace, satisfaction, gratitude, not because you want more of the dunya. If you want more of the dunya, then you can go and find it in the dunya. That's where it, that's where it is, not with Allah. So Allah says that, ala rabbi, He is on a nur, a light from his Lord. His Lord will give him this light and he will be able to see everything and place it where everything belongs and so on. But those who turn away because their hearts are hardened away from the dhikr of Allah, these people are in manifest error, meaning they're wrong. Their approach is wrong, their attitude is wrong, their behavior is wrong, their deductions are wrong, their conclusions are wrong, and everything they feel and see and hear is all wrong. Mubin, open, clear error and a mistake, basically. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is revealing these ayat so that we may fit into one of the two categories. Either the category of those people whose hearts are opened and they, even though they may face problems in life, uh, even though they may be uh, trying to navigate a situation and negotiate a problem in their lives, they will have Islam. Islam means you are at peace and you submit to Allah and to the ways in which he works. So if you do that, then you will have dhikr in you and you will make dhikr for the sake of Allah, for sukoon, even though you have problems. Mm. Yeah, the idea that people who make dhikr 
don't have problems is also wrong. That's not true. Because the Anbiya, the Prophets, are tested the most. And they always make the dhikr of Allah. Everywhere they went. So that's not true too. So you must be careful that you don't measure material success and a lack of worldly problems with ibadah and with dhikr. They're not necessarily necessary for each other. If that was the case, then the Prophet wouldn't have any problems in Makkah and Medina. But he had the most problems. Meaning the closer you are to Allah, the more Allah will provide you with means by which you will gain peace and security despite having problems. You manage your problems, you can't get rid of them. After one problem, there's another problem. Have you seen how Allah does this? Right, that he sends down the rain and then you have the greenery and you have the produce and you have all the vegetation, the plants, then all of a sudden you have death. And the cycle is repeated every year. So every year you're going to address a problem then the problem is going to die. Then the next year, another problem. Then negotiate that one. And the next year you'll have another problem, maybe two, maybe three. Then you negotiate them too. You know, in this process of rububiyya, uh, this is the key word there, ala nur rabbihi from his Lord, the one who makes his tarbiyah. The key there is to understand that Allah is raising you so that you negotiate problems while maintaining and developing your iman, not sacrificing your iman. So the more iman you have, the more easier it will become for you to manage your problems and negotiate them. That is how we see the diversity in Allah's creation within us. Yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does this to his people who are close to him and does not necessarily do this to people who are away from him unless he's deserted them. And once he deserts them, then they try and manage their own problems, but they fail miserably, as you know, mashallah, in the so-called greatest country on the planet, the amount of problems people have internally is astronomical. You can't say this in this country people have peace. If people have peace in this country, there won't be any murders, there won't be any rapes, there won't be any robbery, you won't have any prisons, and you won't have any killings, and you won't have corrupt politicians that you have to listen to day in, day out. Right? So that's not necessarily a sign of sukun, is it? Where's the sukun? You're looking for sukun. Where's the sukun? When you say you have the dunya. So the sukun is with dhikr. The dhikr of Allah, that is the Qur'an's prescription. That no matter what you are going through, you maintain your iman, you believe in Allah, you don't give up Islam because you're in trouble or because you're tested. Women taking off their scars, I'm tested, and we want you to validate us because we've been tested so we can take off our scars. Get the heck out of here. You're supposed to be more Islamic when you face problems, not less Islamic. That's the role of Islam. Islam gives you inner peace that despite what people say, I'm going to remain fast to my Islam. 
I'm going to have istiqamah. I'm going to be there. I'm not going to give up my salat, salam, zakat, and hajj because I'm in trouble. I'm meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to test you no matter who you are, where you are, and what you are. That's just the rule of life. Now, whether you're Muslim or non-Muslim, it doesn't matter. You're going to be tested. Okay. If you're tested with Iman, then the rule is you don't give up your Iman. You may give up other things in life, but you stay constant and re remain firm with Islam and Iman so that you will be rewarded on the Day of Judgment, as we mentioned previously today. Oh. But if you give up the reason why Allah has created you, then obviously you're a big loser. And you're the total loser. So Muslims should not validate people who give up Islam because they're in trouble. You can't sit there feeling sorry for them. You have to call them out. You say, why are you doing this? You have to give them strength and courage and himma and determination and say, no, don't do this. Allah is still there even though you may not see it because he is bil ghaib after all. He is the unseen. We worship him because he is the unseen and so on. So this sharh uh, al-sadr, this ayah is speaking of the opening of the chest and the heart for Islam and because of Islam and through Islam is necessary so that Muslims uphold their deen and their values and so on. Problems will always be there. That is part of life. Unfortunately, you rather face a few problems here than a few problems in your grave. Uh, you rather face a few problems here than a few problems on the Day of Judgment. I mean, it's no brainer. Right? Absolutely no brainer. So that's the, the prescription of sukoon is in Allah's dhikr, remembering Allah. If you run away from Allah, Allah deserts you. And then because Allah has deserted you, you're seeking validation from your brother, your mother, your father, your sister, your friend, your social circle. Help me, help me, validate me because I have given up Islam. You don't validate people because they give up Islam. You teach them a lesson. And you say that you're not coming to my Eid party. Because you're not Muslim anymore. You want the benefits of our culture? You better be part of our culture before we say you're invited to Eid. You don't feel sorry for them. You say you call them out for who they are, what they are. That's what you should do. But unfortunately, people acquiesce and they kind of submit to them. They don't submit to Allah. They submit to them, their social order. Oh, we've got to pat them on the back. <laughs> yeah. So our approach is very different. We don't pat them on the back. We've got to kick them where it hurts so that they come back. They realize their mistake. That is a huge mistake to give up Islam because you are not accepted someplace in the world. Um, yeah. But anyway, what I'm saying, the, this ayah is, first of all, it's saying many things. One thing which we brought out was that there's diversity in our own creation inside us that our moods and our modes and our feelings and emotions are as diverse as Allah's creation outside of us. That doesn't mean to say Allah is not in charge or he's not the agent. He's still the agent, he's still the creator, and he's taking care of us the way he's taking care of that. Right? 
Now, Allah takes care of the universe, ah, even though man tries to uh, kind of derail God from taking care of the universe. But he takes care of the universe. The way it functions very well, Alhamdulillah, Allah keep it and preserve it. Likewise, he's going to maintain us, he's going to take care of us, our physical body, our psychological body, our spiritual body, if we submit to him. And that submission is the reason why we are at sukoon and peace with Allah. And the way we are going to manage it is by obeying Allah, fulfilling his, uh, our covenant with him, and by uh, being relaxed about the whole issue of having problems. Yes, if you have a problem, God forbid, then take care of it, negotiate it, ask Allah to help you, and see what you can do to remove it, and uh, cure it, or something, whatever it is. And then, uh, you know, be happy that you are worshipping Allah, you're doing what Allah wants you to do. If you turn away from this, then your hearts are hardened against the dhikr of Allah. And once that happens, then you are in an open error. You are misguided and you're not following a path that is correct, a path that's going to lead you to your personal salvation and also to your collective salvation. We make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps us and preserves us. We make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us tawfiq to make his dhikr. And we make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants us sukoon and itminan and peace and tranquility in this world and also in the world hereafter. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayr khalqi Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahabihi wa rahmatika ya Rahman